Chapter 7 of The Young Pretenders by Edith Henrietta Fowler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7 At the Seaside. The season was over. Big station omnibuses piled up with luggage lumbered through the streets instead of smart carriages, and brown paper was beginning to veil many of the windows. The flowers on the balconies were reduced to a kind of blossoming fried parsley, and the sediment of servant life seemed all at once to have risen to the surface. Housemaids and caretakers stood about on the doorsteps of the fast-emptying mansions, and all the livery coats seemed packed, for every footman appeared in his shirt-sleeves above ground. Altogether there was a hot, spent feeling in the air that made people suddenly long for the country and feel that it was an impossibility to stay another day in the place where they had contentedly lived for the last four or six months. Uncle Charlie and Aunt Eleanor were leaving town, too, with the rest of the world, and Teddy and Babs and Nana, together with several of the servants, were all going down to a small house on the east coast. The children had never seen the sea, and of course were greatly excited at the thought of their seaside visit. Aunt Eleanor had expressed the opinion that cows would have been a nicer place to have chosen than Overshore, but Uncle Charlie was firm in preferring the latter, chiefly because a householding friend there had offered to lend him a cottage. So Aunt Eleanor was obliged to give a grumbling consent, though she sighed sadly at the prospect of passing a dull month in one of the loveliest villages in England. She cheered up a little afterwards on hearing that some people she knew had a large house near Overshore, and a continually changing house party. Uncle Charlie thought bathing and sailing and basking about in flannels would be a delightful change, after the frock coats and stiff collars of London. And it really was fully a week before he expressed himself sick of such rural pursuits. They all arrived at Overshore on a lovely summer's evening, when the sea lay like a mirror under the sky hardly taking the trouble to break into waves at all on the smooth, shining sand. Teddy and Babs were extremely disappointed at their first sight of the sea. "'Why doesn't it jump?' asked Babs, with a look of injured surprise on her face. "'And it's so little!' exclaimed Teddy. "'Only like a broadish band of water just half round the land.' "'And I don't see no shipwrecks either,' continued Babs. Our sea picture book always had shipwrecks or icebergs or something. But the next morning they changed their minds when they went down to play on the shore. The sea had freshened and was breaking in crisp little waves at their feet. And then, too, best of all seaside delights to London children, they were quickly divested not only of gloves, but of shoes and stockings also, at which their enthusiastic appreciation knew no bounds. They rushed about on the clean soft sand, and ventured so far into the water that their clothes were all splashed. They filled their buckets with a lovely wet slop that appealed straight to Bab's tenderest feelings, and emptied them again in an aimless manner, and without doing anything but enjoy themselves in a wild, mad way, as only country-born children can, after a term of penal servitude in London. Overshore's the splendidest, most sighting place in the world!' exclaimed Babs as they were dragged in to have dinner at Uncle Charlie and Aunt Eleanor's luncheon. "'Better than Cloverdale?' asked Uncle Charlie. The little girl looked puzzled. "'Not quite so splendid,' she decided at length. "'But I think more sighting. Don't you, Teddy?' "'Much,' said Teddy, who was not ever consumed by the spirit of loyalty. "'The sea is lots jollier than the brook.' "'I had a letter from India just now,' said Aunt Eleanor from your father, 
and he says we must tell you that you have a little baby sister whom they will bring home to you when they come. Babs was delighted, but Teddy did not show much interest in the news. What could a baby sister matter to him, a boy of seven years old? I've thought of a lovely name for it, said Babs after a few moments' silence. I would like it called Mrs. Brown. Uncle Charlie laughed, but Aunt Eleanor said sharply, That is not a name at all. It is, persisted Babs. I know it is, cause nurse has a sister-in-law what's called it. That's nonsense, said Aunt Eleanor. It is not a proper name for a child, and it's very rude to contradict. Babs' face fell. I didn't contradict, she said peevishly, only I do know it. As trouble seemed imminent, Uncle Charlie came to the rescue. Never mind, child, he said kindly. There are other nicer names than that. You think of one. Babs began to think so hard that she refused a second helping of pudding. At length, a brilliant thought struck her. I know, she cried excitedly. I fought again, and I'd like her to be called Strawberry Jam. Really, Babs, how silly you are, exclaimed her aunt. Now, for goodness sake, don't cry, as the child's face flushed with suppressed feeling. If you do, you shall go upstairs. Babs blinked back two big tears. She did not say anything owing to a large lump in her throat. Uncle Charlie, asked Teddy suddenly, was King Alfred the Great in the Tenth Hussars? His uncle and aunt were greatly amused. Ronnie told me he was when he stayed with us. But when I said so to Miss Grimston, she slapped me for... What did she say she slapped me for, Babs? I forget. For telling lies and being impertinent, said the little girl glibly. No, Babs, it was you she slapped for being impertinent. Oh, yes, I remember now, cause I said I expected she was born in Alfred the Great's reign, and so would be sure to know. I do think so, really, don't you, Uncle Charlie? But that's the way with Miss Grimston. She never understands things. Uncle Charlie continued to laugh. You gave her one in the wind there, you young rascal, he said, pulling her hair. But I'm glad I'm not your governess. The children both laughed at the idea of Uncle Charlie's being a governess. I wish you were, only your hands isn't bony enough, said Babs, hanging on to the sleeve of his blazer. What fun it would be if you growed thin. Just then a lady caller was announced, who, seeing the children, begged that they might stay and speak to her. Aunt Eleanor was instantly conscious of Bab's rumpled smock and rough hair, for she had heard that Lady Harriet West was a very particular, fastidious old lady. So she called Teddy forward, who looked sweeter than ever in his fresh new flannels, with his fair hair curling picturesquely around his forehead. Teddy really was prettier when his hair was rough and his face a little flushed. "'Is this your little nephew?' "'How do you do, my dear?' said Lady Harriet, kissing the boy. "'I'm quite well, thanks,' answered Teddy politely. "'Are you the lady who is the mother of our Mr. West, "'who asked us to come and stay in this dear little house?' "'The old lady looked pleased, and so did Aunt Eleanor. "'Yes, my dear, and I hope you will come up to the castle "'and play with my little grandchildren. "'And is that your sister?' Babs rushed forward, shaking her hair back from her eyes like a Shetland pony, and Aunt Eleanor trembled. "'Perhaps you was born in King Alfred the Great's reign, cause you seem really a good bit older even than Miss Grimston,' she began eagerly. Lady Harriet looked appalled. 
have I gived you one in the wind? continued the little girl anxiously with a note of real concern in her voice. Have you given me what, my dear? asked the old lady. I do not quite understand you. Aunt Eleanor hastily came to the rescue and sent the children out to play. But she was really very vexed with Babs, and directly Lady Harriet had departed her anger exploded. I wish you would whip that child, Charlie. She is too awful. Oh, I couldn't. It is much too hot, said Captain Conway, still laughing. But I thought I should have burst when Babs came out with it. It's a mercy the old girl was a little deaf, or she would have been more surprised still. It's all very well for you to laugh at, Charlie, but you spoil Babs frightfully. She is an awfully naughty child, and she grows worse and worse. My heart is always in my mouth when she is in the room, and if you won't correct her, she will be a perfect little fiend by the time Ned and Barbara come home. Oh, nonsense, said Uncle Charlie. She is great fun, and a nice little thing besides. You are rather hard on Babs, Nora. Hard on Babs, exclaimed Mrs. Conway angrily. How absurd you are! I never saw such a spoiled child in my life. She ought to be whipped, or she'll soon be unbearable, she added, as she went out of the room in a temper. Charlie Conway generally did what his wife wished without troubling to think matters out for himself, but he had a sense of justice deep down underneath the thick crust of selfish artificiality which she had helped so much to harden, and this sense of justice had fluttered into movement when Babs first claimed him as her own uncle, more owner than Uncle Jack. The child did not mean to be naughty, he made up his mind, as he picked up his straw hat and strolled leisurely down on to the beach to find the unpardonable culprit. She was playing very happily on the verge of some most interesting rock pools, which disclosed wonders before undreamed of in her inland philosophy. She did not see the approach of her uncle, so enticing was a youthful crab, and his voice calling to her was her first intimation of his arrival. "'Oh, here is Uncle Charlie!' she shouted in delight to Teddy. "'Is you really going to stay?' "'Come here, Babs,' said Uncle Charlie, throwing himself down on the sand in a most injudicial attitude. The little girl rushed up to him. "'I'm so glad you've come,' she said, beaming all over. "'Your aunt says I ought to whip you,' he began. "'But in course you won't, will you, Uncle Charlie?' interrupted Babs incredulously. "'For being so rude to Lady Harriet,' he continued. "'Was I rude?' asked Babs, surprised. "'Why was I?' "'You must know that it is not at all polite to talk about giving people one in the wind.' "'But you did,' answered Babs reproachfully. "'So I didn't think it could be rude.' Uncle Charlie looked into the open little face and the honest brown eyes, and, being a man, his sense of justice triumphed. "'What is often not rude for a man to say is very rude for a little girl, too,' he said lamely. "'I didn't know,' said Babs solemnly. "'But you isn't angry with me, is you, Uncle Charlie?' Her face looked so quaintly anxious that Captain Conway could not resist the temptation of exciting still further emotions. Suppose I am angry, Babs. What then? It was a terrible supposition. The little girl sat looking down with crimson cheeks and quivering lips, trying not to cry, and yet overwhelmed with grief at the consequences of her crime. Uncle Charlie watched her with a tender amusement. What then? he repeated. Babs, thus brought to bay, was obliged to speak. I'm so sorry, she said brokenly. I didn't mean to vex you. 
and her eyes could not manage to keep in the tears any longer. Uncle Charlie kissed her hurriedly. There, there, he said soothingly, I'm not a bit vexed. Babs flung both arms round his neck in a most heating embrace. I do love you so very much, she whispered, and Captain Conway felt he was really growing rather fond of this little niece of his. She was so funny and earnest and dear. Shall we build a sand castle? he asked, when released from Babs' strangling embrace. A shriek of delight from the child indicated that the April shower had quite passed away, though her cheeks were still wet when Teddy came running up from the sea to help them. I wish I could cry another tear for you to taste, Teddy, said Babs, who had just made the discovery that tears and sea water taste alike. I've licked up the two last, and they was quite salt. I'll taste some sea water instead, suggested Teddy, and then think of it when I cry next time. Uncle Charlie began to build the most delightful castle, but just at the most interesting part he grew rather tired of it, and went back to the house. That's the worst of grown-ups, said Teddy. They get tired of things so quick. But it's a lovely castle, exclaimed Babs enthusiastically. And, in course, Uncle Charlie was too busy to stay longer. Being a soldier makes him very busy, you see. The following morning it was decided that the children should bathe, and they were delighted at the thought beforehand. There was an interesting sense of mystery in being shut up with Nana in the funny little damp house that was called a bathing machine, though when the horse began to draw it, Babs was frightened. The house is running away, she gasped. But Nana held her fast, and even lifted her up to peep through the tiny window which showed her that it was only the land that was running away after all. It was great fun, too, undressing in such an interesting place, but when the door opened seawards, an awful terror filled Bab's soul. Oh, we're right in the middle of the sea, she screamed, clinging to Nana. Don't put me in, don't, please don't. Aunt Eleanor was bathing from the next machine and came up to the door. Don't be such a silly cry-baby, she said crossly, and held out her hand to Teddy. Now Teddy was a brave boy, and seven years old but even he could not help catching his breath with a sobbing sort of gasp when he climbed down the steps of the machine. The sight of the shore round the corner inspired him with fresh courage, and he consented, though tremblingly, to go in with Aunt Eleanor. But nothing would induce Babs to leave the safe shelter of the machine. She sat on the step, a miserable shrinking little object, and every now and then just touched the water with the tip of her toes. Only the day before she had rushed fearlessly in when paddling from the beach, and had gone so far into the water that even Teddy suggested she might be drowned, but it was the landless view from the bathing machine door which created the terror of bathing. Finally, persuasions and threats having equally failed, Nana redressed her, and she forgot her fears, and began to enjoy watching Teddy who was jumping about with Aunt Eleanor. "'Master Teddy! Master Teddy!' called Nana from the door. Have you got your watch with you? Nana appeared a little flurried at not finding the precious waterberry among Teddy's garments, and it did not seem to occur to her that his present costume afforded but scant accommodation for a watch. No, I haven't, shouted Teddy. It's in one of my shoes. After his bathing experience, Teddy lorded it over Babs more than ever. He continually referred to his courage as compared to her cowardice. And every day after the bathe, the little girl firmly resolved that she really would go in tomorrow. But when tomorrow became today, 
she could not help changing her mind. When the children had been at Overshore for nearly a fortnight, a great trouble befell them. They came into tea as usual one evening and were surprised to find Nana in tears. Babs was specially surprised because as she confided to Teddy afterwards, she did not know that grown-up people ever cried properly. Oh, my poor lambs, sobbed Nana, nearly smothering them with kisses. What will you do without me? Without you, Nana? questioned Babs. Where is you going? I must go out to India to your mother and the new baby sister. Her nurse has died, and she don't know where to turn, poor thing. I'm sure I tremble at the thought of that long voyage all over again, for I've been twice to India. Once for you, Miss Babs, dear, and Master Teddy, first of all. And now your poor dear mother wants me again for the baby. And I would be glad to go sooner than let the child be brought up by them heathen blacks, if it wasn't for leaving you two darlings. It is a terrible sorrow in child life when a dear kind nurse has to leave. Teddy and Babs cried themselves to sleep for several nights, and half the sunshine and gladness of their seaside visit was spoiled by Nana's hurried departure. The advent of the new nurse, too, was a bitter experience to the two children who had never been separated from their devoted old one. And, unfortunately, she was a very severe, strict person with whom Aunt Eleanor was delighted. It was no good my speaking to the child when you and that old Nana spoiled her so disgracefully, she said to Uncle Charlie, for she had been very much annoyed about the sand castle instead of the promised punishment. And I do wish you wouldn't take Babs off for any more of those ridiculous excursions. You make her ten times as naughty. And besides, it is silly to waste such a lot of time playing with a mere baby when there is plenty of golf and tennis up at the castle. I am surprised at your caring to do so. So am I, said Uncle Charlie. But it is a fact, nevertheless. Oh, I wish Nana had stayed till we went it back to London, sighed Babs. "'cause we don't want to do such a lot of naughty things there. "'And it was so lovely getting our clothes all splashed afore. "'For the new nurse had been very cross indeed "'when Babs came in with her frock and petticoats all wet from paddling "'and had cruelly forbidden a repetition of that most entrancing exercise, "'in addition to dry bread for tea "'and a dull, doleful half-hour in the corner previously. "'Just when Teddy was out catching shrimps, too, or at least trying to catch them in a very weak little green net, which had been purchased at Overshore's one toy shop with Teddy's long-saved pennies. Neither was Teddy exempt from nurse's discipline as he was from Aunt Eleanor's. She offended him mortally by insisting on washing his face herself, and in that peculiar unyielding manner which strict nurses are wont to adopt. "'She washes just as if my face was quite flat,' said the little boy wrathfully, rubbing his nose. "'I know,' said Babs meaningly, that horrid round and round way, like as if we was a plate. And a soap always gets in my eyes. But I think she hurts more with the towel after. But all the disagreeable nurses in the world could not quite destroy the delight of seaside life. At night, when the room was dark, a sense of desolation would come over the children in dear Nana's departure. But in the morning, when the sun shone and the sea danced, things seemed quite different. Babs would remind Teddy that Nana would soon come back, bringing with her both father and mother, as well as the new baby sister, and how could anybody cry or fret while those lovely sands, smooth fresh every night by the sea, were waiting for the children to dig on them. 
while no end of beautiful pieces of seaweed were washed up on purpose for their play, to say nothing of the excitement of an occasional starfish or crab which had been left behind by the ebbing tide. The shore, too, was such a splendid place for pretending. It was so like a desert island, where the Swiss family Robinson could be enacted, or where they could have encounters with savages or wild beasts. Sometimes they played with other children, too. A very quaint, bunchy baby was stolidly digging a little hole one day, and Babs thought it would be a very useful addition to their pretending plays. "'Shall I speak to it?' she asked Teddy. "'Is it a boy or a girl?' Teddy wondered. "'I'll ask it,' said Babs. The fat baby paused in its work as the little girl approached, and endeavored to reinstate the sailor hat which was hanging down behind its back, apparently fastened by a mixture of elastic and hair. "'Which are you? A boy?' "'Or a girl?' asked Babs, coming straight to the point. "'I'm a man,' said the fat baby solemnly, and its tone admitted of no further observation on that score. "'Will you play with us?' suggested Babs meekly. "'No piggy?' remarked the baby irrelevantly. "'It called me a pig,' said Babs to Teddy in amazement. But the baby's nurse explained. "'He has been frightened by a pig, miss.' "'We haven't got a piggy,' said Babs. We are pretending we're cast on a desert island, where there's black people. No piggy? repeated the baby. Oh, no. Only a few lions and tigers. A very few, and not at all savage, she added hurriedly, as the fat round face clouded over. Only yuns and tigers, no piggy, said the baby, apparently satisfied. Come on, shouted Teddy. We must dig a place to sleep in tonight. Bab seized the baby's hand, but instead of following her, he sat down rather heavily and quite unintentionally on the sand. "'I sit down,' he observed with a very pink face, which was evident. "'He's too little to play proper pretendin,' said Teddy scornfully. "'Come on, Babs.' "'Oh, dear, dear, vat a pity,' remarked the baby. So Teddy and Babs finished their game alone while the baby continued his digging, occasionally looking round anxiously and assuring himself by the repeated observation, No piggy fightin' baba. On the way up from the sands, nurse walked with the baby's nurse, and Teddy and Babs each held one of its fat little hands. Babs assumed a squealing tone of voice in addressing it, to indicate its supreme youth as compared with her own five-year-old maturity and Teddy talked in the peculiar style usually adopted towards a kitten. "'Look, little Baba, at the pretty moo cows,' piped Babs in a singularly shrill voice. "'They gave the nice milk for Baba's tea,' continued Teddy condescendingly. "'No moo cows feed Baba,' said the baby in solemn deep tones. "'Nana give Baba nice tea.' Babs instantly began to argue, only happily just then the children's and the baby's ways diverged and a quarrel was averted. For Teddy and Babs had been invited to have tea at the old farmhouse, and a lovely time they had, eating shrimps out of little china mugs and drinking wonderfully frothy milk fresh from the very cows that the baby on the beach had scorned. Then there was rich red jam, and no nurse present to intimate that they had had enough after they had only just begun. "'Did you enjoy yourselves?' asked Uncle Charlie when they reached home. "'Oh, it was splendid!' screamed the children. "'And such a beautiful tea!' "'Jam and shrimps,' began Teddy. "'And ordinary cow's milk,' chimed in Babs. And the children could not imagine what made Uncle Charlie suddenly laugh. 
It's the way with grown-ups, said Teddy afterwards. They often laugh at things that aren't a bit funny. It was ordinary cow's milk, persisted Babs. "'Cause I asked Mrs. Grimble specially when it frothed so much. "'Uncle Charlie nearly always laughs when we speak,' said Teddy. "'Well, I loves him much better an Aunt Eleanor what never does. "'I likes laughing.' "'And Babs beamed all over. "'Even when I don't quite understand what is funny.' "'I don't like things I can't understand,' said the little boy. "'Unfortunately, holidays will come to an end, and summer too, for the matter of that.' So the sad day dawned on which the children had to leave Overshore with all its joys and sunshine for a long, dreary winter in the little London nursery. "'It is years since we came,' observed Babs when the sea was out of sight. "'But we only seem to have been here about two days.' In reality, they had been at Overshore just six weeks. End of chapter 7